Around March of 2019, four sexual assault cases in Japan ended with not guilty verdicts. Of those four cases, two of them involved a father sexually abusing their daughter. This gave birth to a monthly protest called the Flower Demo, where supporters and rape victims gathered, holding flowers and placards with slogans such as hashtag me too and hashtag with you. And the victims shared their horrible stories. In this episode, I'll be joined by guest co-hosts Nina Cataldo, and we'll speak to one of the Flower Demo's most passionate supporters, Sachiko Ishikawa. It's your Global Japan fam, Daisha, and you are listening to the Raw Urban Mobile Podcast from my favorite corner in the world, Shibuya, Tokyo, Japan. All right. Another episode of the Raw Urban Mobile Podcast from Tokyo. I'm Cliff. And as you already know, we announced on our social media and in the last episode that Chocolate Buddha is no longer with us, with me on the Raw Urban Mobile Podcast, but he is still around and I'm sure he'll be fine going forward. I will be doing the podcast. Uh, I'll, I'll be re- doing episodes by myself as the only host, and sometimes I'll have guest hosts. And today, for this episode, I have a guest host, and she's been a guest host before. Introduce Yay. yourself. Thank you, Cliff. This is Nina. I'm back to co-host uh, Raw Urban Mobile Podcast for the second time around, and I'm super excited to be here. Uh, today's episode is about something I'm very passionate about as a woman myself living in Japan. So I'm very excited to hear our guest's story and to discuss this topic that we have in our society. Thanks for having me here. And today's guest will be Sachiko Ishikawa. And this is the first time we're going to do this, but we're actually going to do a remote interview with Sachiko. I'm actually about to call her up and we'll do an interview and talk. She'll explain what the flower demo is, how it got started, and we'll discuss some other issues related to women, Japanese women in Japan. Sachiko? Hi. Hey, how's it going? Hi. <laughs> fine. How about you? I'm fine. Hello. It's good okay. to have you here. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Thank you for having me. Yes. This is uh first time for for me doing a remote interview, so it was a few few <laughs> a few hiccups, but uh we got it we got it going. Okay. Yeah, so uh yeah, <laughs> please introduce yourself to the audience. My name is Sachiko Shikawa, and I am a translation project manager in the uh, video game industry. I'm half Japanese, half German, although I was raised in Barcelona. So, yeah, I've been all over the place, and I've been living in Japan for the last um, five years and a half. Okay, cool, mm. cool. Yes, I, I think I came across your Twitter 
uh, profile. Hmm. And uh, yes, you are very vocal about uh, <laughs> things that you are, you know, that you hold near to your heart, near and dear to your heart, hmm. such as, uh, you know, women issues in society. Yeah. And yeah, we're great. Yes. It's great to have you here on the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yes. So please tell us what is the flower demo and how it got started and why it got started. Okay. So um, we have to go back in time a little bit. So in 2017, there was a um, change in the law that what constitutes rape, what is rape. And before 2017, um, Rape could only be defined by forced penetration of a penis in a vagina. That means oral sex, um, anal sex, couldn't be defined as rape, which made uh, men unable to be um, rape victims. But still, like it was, um, it was a, it was better than before. But still, as you can imagine, there's still a lot more to, there's still a long way ahead of us. And what happened um, is that although this reform gave a lot of hope, we found out, especially last year, where there were like a lot of cases of rapists who were acquitted. And the the one that caused like uh, the ripples, the one that triggered all of this, was a case of a man who uh, was acquitted, even though he had been raping his daughter for years yes, and the judge that. yes the judge uh the judge said that she could have said no that she could have fought back and because she didn't he didn't go to jail that's a really really tough case that they have yes. to work with because it's between a, a vulnerable child right and her exactly her father Exactly. Like, um, it doesn't even begin to cover, like, the power differences mm-hmm. between a father and a child. As well as the fact that, I mean, she was a minor when this happened. She was economically dependent on him. So the fact that she didn't resist, what does that even mean? Yes. Yes, that is uh, it's such a sad case. Uh, I did read about that. Mm. And... Um, we we're gonna talk a little bit more about that just a little later. Um, I I also wanted mm. I just wanted to ask you uh, what. So mm. you've been to these protests, these flower demos. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, describe the atmosphere. Whew. So the atmosphere is very difficult to describe in the sense that um, the people who go there are mostly women. The, the speakers who go there they talk about things that are deeply personal, things that really hurt them, that traumatize them. And it's really hard because a lot of people who hear that, a lot of people who are participating, they all have like triggers and memories of their own. So I have never been able to stay there like an hour without crying Mm -hmm. because it's really heartbreaking to hear all this especially women, um, like completely explain what happened to them in, in such a vulnerable way. Yes. But on the other hand, um, there is this sense of unity. There is the sense of solidarity 
of uh, we hear you, we believe you, we are with you. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is the ray of hope. That is why people keep going there because it is a safe space for for people to be vulnerable and right. and for place and so that they can be heard. Definitely. Are, are there yeah. um, any supporter uh, uh, men men who attend these and supporters of yes. these women? Yes, um, I would say about forty, like thirty to forty percent of the attendees are men wow, that's, um, that's i have yes i have only heard uh one man mm-hmm. who one cis man who spoke and mm-hmm. one trans man who also spoke out mm-hmm. but yeah it's mostly women who go out and and speak mm-hmm. yeah with the the amazing thing that i uh found out was that mm-hmm. This is not just happening in Tokyo, these flower no. protests. So how many no, no, prefectures no. and cities is this so, uh, protest being held? Right now, there are 34 prefectures and 37 cities where this is happening. Wow. It's always on the 11th of the month. And there's also like one city, which is uh, Barcelona, which is outside mm-hmm. of Japan, which is a huge coincidence. Right. And it makes me like very happy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, and you know the for this mm. for this type of thing to be happening in that many prefectures and cities, I, I yeah. just find that amazing that not many people know about this. Like yes. I, I just you mm. know I just happened to um, when I was like reading about the flower demo, mm. I just happened to like kind of you know I have some friends that I'm connected with uh, on Facebook and stuff like that, and mm. I just happened to send a few. Japanese women uh, a message yeah. that that and just to see if they knew about the flower demo and they didn't know about it. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Like most of the organizations happening online via social media, and what I've seen most is on Twitter. Although I don't have a Facebook account, so maybe that's also part of the blame. But most of it is on social media and mouth to mouth. So, like, people will bring friends, people will bring acquaintances. But I haven't really seen that much involvement in the media. Um, So there are a few articles here and there from um, some newspapers or some um, articles from, I don't know, like, I think there was one from The Guardian, you know, so international um, outlets. But I haven't really found that many Japanese ones. Which is important, you know. Yes. I mean, how can people join? How can they know yeah. if they don't know? And how can these women, you know, be inspired and, and empowered to uh, come exactly. out and share their stories? You know, who knows exactly. how many of them, you know, have the same type of stories and just are not exactly. telling Exactly. And also, I can imagine that it's very hard to go to a demonstration, especially in Japan, because Japan is not a country that is used to demonstrating or, or yes. like marching so yeah. when they hear the word demonstration they get a little bit like they get cold feet mm. like ah, i don't want to be involved i don't want to if something happens i don't want to be like in the middle of it so that i think also has like a lot to do like um there there's this image of what a demonstration is but it's actually very peaceful 
It's a safe. Right. It's a very safe space. Yes. Do you do you think it's mm-hmm. still perhaps taboo for uh, the major uh, Japanese media outlets to cover such a topic and you know mm-hmm. be opinionated or supportive of something? We you know we've seen a bit of uh, mm-hmm. you know small wins recently for women uh, in Japanese mm-hmm. society, but do you think overall it's still a bit taboo for people in the larger media to get involved? Well, also in Japan, there's a lot of uh, paranoia about mm-hmm. false accusations. Right. So in Japan, I haven't really found that many opinion-based articles. Mm-hmm. So they will just say facts, like allegedly or supposedly, mm-hmm. you know, and they will not give opinions. The, the journalists won't really say what they want or how they feel about right. the case that they are talking about. So... They if even if they do explain what is happening, like it's very cold, very distant, and it there's always like he said, she said, and um, he is accused of being a rapist, but she couldn't prove that she defended herself. Mm-hmm. You know, so how can the reader sympathize when they're only given facts in a very un well biased way in this case because how can you give an objective opinion or how can you write an objective article right when there is such a power imbalance Mm -hmm. and you're balancing it like forcefully right and Mm -hmm. so because of that these flower demonstrations become even more important because it is the actual victims speaking from their own perspective exactly yes Yes. Uh, so we're going to we're going to get back into this. I just wanted to kind of, you know, um, ask you a few mm. questions about, you know, your upbringing and. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. So. <laughs> from my understanding, you grew up in Spain, right? Yes. OK. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And why did you to why did you decide to come to Japan? So I've always <laughs> felt like a close in a way because as a child um well some kids they weren't really kind to me as you can imagine so they always said like go back to your country etc etc so like when you're pushed away i ended up looking at where they were pushing me to and i started to feel curious and at the same time it was when all the manga and the anime boom started to grow all over, all across Europe, so I started to develop an interest in, in Japan. As I I really like to talk to my dad about it. He's the one who's Japanese. Okay. And well, then I started uh, at uni. I started studying Japanese. Then I came to Japan for one year, study again to study more. And when I was here, I finally got that feeling that, okay, this is home, Hmm. that I never really had back in Spain because they kept pushing me away. So I was a little bit in a limbo until then. I can can definitely relate to that feeling being half Japanese myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... I'm 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 finding my own place in Tokyo as mm. home as well, but definitely always a struggle to, you know, think about where I belong in the world. <laughs> right, it's such a difficult question. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and so when did you, 
when did you begin to uh, identify as a feminist and why? Well, I guess I've always been a feminist because I was raised by a single mom and even um, I was I went to a Catholic school. So that's that is a lot. That is kind of warmth, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And like when I started to grow up, I started to become rebellious, you know, the teenage phase. And then I don't like this. I don't agree with that. And as I grew up and I saw, especially during the teenage years, right, there's like this very big gender divide between boys and girls. Yes, absolutely. And I didn't really agree with that. So I was walking more in the middle or wherever I felt more comfortable. Mm -hmm. And the peak of it, what really started everything was actually the election in the United States when, when Trump won. Mm. because i couldn't believe it yeah i could not could believe I, it could we? <laughs> it it was so outrageous and it made me so mad and then the whole kavanaugh thing happened mm -hmm. and when dr ford when she was testifying the way that she spoke it wasn't even her words which were very powerful but the way that she spoke the the aura that she was transmitting it was just so there was no way i could doubt her mm -hmm. like i just it's just like a gut instinct that you know that she's right yes there's a huge power in storytelling isn't yes. there? from from someone's own perspective especially exactly so i just it hit me like i it can i cannot allow this i cannot just stay there and let it happen i need to speak out even if it's the only thing i can do hmm. so that's when i really started to get into feminism and all the all the craziness that is twitter and social media and did you did you start to notice some things locally in Japan and, and started to focus more on that? Or how, how did that happen? Like Actually, at the beginning, I was speaking about, um, well, feminism in a more global way. And I really focused more on the United States because that's where all the big things were happening. And then just recently, I started to speak out about Japan, like what I noticed and the little sexist things that nobody really talks about because they are like a given right. and I started to make a list of it mm. like all the little things that I saw I would make a list on on Twitter and I noticed how big it was getting and the, because everything I saw was in Japan and I got a lot of reactions from people who were interested in those tweets so I thought oh that's what people want to know so that's when I really started to dig into it. Like, okay, they want to know and I can offer it. Hmm. So let's see what I can do. Great, great. And uh, yes, that's where I came across your profile, as I said earlier, mm. on Twitter. And, and you're mm. very vocal. You're very active <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> um, I swear a lot. <laughs> yes, you do. And um, But, you, you know, it, it's I can tell that you're passionate about it. Yeah. Have you met some resistance online on Twitter as well? Oh, God, yes. Um, at the end of October, there was this manga thing 
And sometimes I will call it like manga gate, something I'll call it like a weed gate. And okay. it's basically I made a thread about um, the cover of uh, the inner cover of a Shonen Jump title. Mm, okay. And, in and and for, our, for our audience uh, who may mm. not know what Shonen Jump is and Weeb Gate, uh, can, can you explain what a Weeb is and what Shonen <laughs> Jump is? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to give the objective um, yes. definition, not my own. So a Weeb is a, an anime slash manga slash Japan fan who really likes and is really passionate about Japan, but has never been here, has never lived here, and doesn't even speak the language. So they think that everything that, and that they think that Japan is basically what they see in manga or anime, which cannot be further from the truth. Yes. Yes. Mm. Okay, thank you. <laughs> All right. That's and, a weep. That's a weep. <laughs> yeah. Shonan Jumpu is uh, one of the compilation monthly, mm-hmm. I believe, uh, comic yeah. comic books that come out. Okay. Yeah, with my. A weekly, weekly. Weekly. That was the one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, finish your story. <laughs> yeah. So, well, there was this discover inside that it was basically, uh, I think the character was like, I don't know, 16 years old or 15 years old. And she was like lying on the on the ground i guess and her arms were pushed up and she was like topless so you can see her her breasts except the nipples they were covered by this mist as in there is nothing there it was blank but the thing is like if you turn the page around there was this there was this image of a cup that had tapioca pearls and tapioca is a is a drink and well, it's like an ingredient that you add in drinks here in Japan that is like really popular right now. <laughs> too and popular. Yes. Too popular. I mean, it doesn't even taste good. It, <laughs> it, it doesn't even taste of anything. But anyway, um, the thing is, the author did this trick, this light trick, that if you put the cover against the light, you could see those pearls as though they were nipples. Mm. Okay. The wow. thing is, this um, this Shonen Jump, this this magazine, is made for teenagers. Gotcha. So their audience is like twelve years old, sixteen years old, and of course adults read it, but the target audience is for minors. Yes. So I spoke out against it. Is how can you sexualize a character like that? And also, like, don't even get me started on the fact that the main character is supposed to be dead. Mm. So I was very angry about it. I wrote about it. I made some very uh, strong, I used some very strong wording (laughs) that got me into trouble. Of course it did. And um, there was a lot of pushback. A lot of people thought that I was speaking out against uh, manga or anime, that I was being a colonizer, I guess, that, I don't know, that I'm not Japanese enough to criticize Japan, etc., etc. It's all horrible comments that you had to receive. And you also got um, pushback from Twitter itself as well. Oh, yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that was mostly on Twitter, but then mm-hmm. I also got, like, um, comments on Reddit, mm-hmm. on YouTube, and there were blog articles about it. Mm-hmm. It's, it got out of hand. Gotcha. Yeah. You wrote an article yeah. for Unseen Japan. and uh, Yes. So the article was about the flower demo, and you were talking, describing some of the things that you've heard and seen, mm-hmm. and... You know, you talked about, like, you brought up these points, like, uh, for instance, uh, no education about consent Mm. and assault. What what do you mean about that? So um, there isn't really a conversation about consent in Japan. So there's a lot of things that are implied. So the thing about the, the Japanese language is that it's a very vague language. And a lot of things are implicit. So the problem with that is that if it's not said out loud, anyone can interpret whatever they want. It's the highest so, uh, certainty avoidance country in the world, I believe. So exa- yes. It is so vague. Yes. And everything depends on context. And if you change the context to match your own agenda, then there you go. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, for example... There was this poll. I I put it on the um, on the on the article. It showed that there was a number of people who believed that just by having drinks with somebody that meant consent. Yes. Yes. Or just that by going in the, by riding their car, you were consenting to sex. Or drinking alcohol. Or drinking alcohol. Anything. It it was no like it was so wrong. Yes. And, but and... it is. Yeah, go ahead, sorry. No, I mean, in practice, actually, like, women that I know and also myself when I was dating, I would notice that a lot of men would just, like, you know, like, start to grope me. And it's like, wait, no, mm. what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah. I want to hit on this word consent because mm-hmm. in the articles I've read, um, I've read some on Unseen Japan, I've read a yeah. few on... Uh, What's the uh, the site that Jake Adelstein runs? No. no, he has uh, ah, forgetting forgetting the name of the site, but uh, mm-hmm. Jake Adelstein is a writer here in Japan. Ah, oh, yeah, big yeah, writer yeah. here. And in one of the articles that he wrote, he talked about how uh, consent, mm. a woman saying no, is not enough. Yeah. Is basically still giving the man consent, even though yeah. she says no. If she doesn't show physical resistance and she's not yes. kicking and screaming, you know, when, when they're forcefully trying to, you know, have their way with her, then it's it's okay. Everything else is just okay. I mean, that's even how the law is written. Like, um, if you go to the police, you need to prove that you resisted. But how can you prove that? Yes. Like, one of the women who was speaking out uh, last last weekend, she was saying like she was covered in bruises, but she could still not prove that she resisted. That's, wow, that's insane. So how how do you even prove that? And and how can people prove that? Uh, and and how can these people not believe 
uh, victims, you know, a lot of times these could happen in private places. There is no witness. And how much proof do authority figures need? That's it's horrible that they wouldn't, you know, be supportive and helping the victims. Yes. And not only that, I mean, how many victims freeze mm-hmm. when it yes. happens to them? Because you you just freeze in terror because you don't know if that person is going to hit you, if they're right. going to strangle you, if they're right. going to kill you. So you freeze. You let them do it because you are you want to live. You want to survive this. Yes, absolutely. And, and in the cases, uh, the two cases that I read about with a, you know, a father doing this to his mm. daughter, it's like, how does a daughter, you know, how, how does mm. a little girl resist her father she can she cannot okay so we talked a lot about consent Hmm. and uh i would like for you to tell us what is consent because i think that a lot of people um don't understand what is consent and what is not consent. So, mm. okay. So, basically, um, consent is knowingly for two or more parties to agree to something. So it's not just saying yes to um, I don't know to sex or yes to drinking or yes to whatever that. Yes isn't just saying the word yes. It it basically needs in my like as far as I have looked into the subject, uh yes needs to be um sober, which means one of the party, one of the people cannot um they cannot be drunk, they cannot be high, or they cannot be intoxicated in any way. They need to be one hundred percent conscious and aware of the decisions that they are making. The other point is that it needs to be enthusiastic or genuine, which means it cannot be coerced, it cannot be forced, and it cannot come from a place of fear, of doubt, of any imbalance, power imbalance. And the last one would be it needs to be continuous, which means that at any time, anyone is able to say no. So if you don't have the ability to say no to begin with, that is not consent. And if you change your mind, it needs to stop immediately. And there cannot be like a full minute of transition between the act and the stopping. It needs to be immediate, like one second afterwards. So as long as you complete these three conditions, it would be consent because Everyone is sober, everyone is enthusiastic, and the act is the act of consent is continuous. For example, in, in my case, what happened to me, I am also a uh, survivor. The condition that didn't um, get respected was the continuous. Like It came to a point where I changed my mind because I wasn't comfortable, because I was being hurt. And I didn't want to continue that. And I said no. I pushed my partner away and they did not stop. And I remember the feeling of being on my back and just thinking this 
cannot be happening. Why isn't he stopping? And then I think, wait, is this what I is what I what is happening? Is it what I think it's happening? And then I got into this like this endless spiral of of questions and what is happening. I don't know. I said, why isn't he stopping? I'm telling him to stop. He's not stopping. And by the time he finally stopped, I was so confused because he stopped eventually, maybe like two minutes later. But those two minutes, they were endless. Mm. And they are still happening in the back of my mind. Like I cannot run away from the fact that he didn't stop. Mm. It's, it's, I don't know, uh, this might be triggering for some, for some people, and I'm sorry if, if this is the case, but it's, I, I don't even know how to explain the kind of power, like the vulnerability of being hurt mm. and not being able to to get away from it and having absolutely no control over anything it's it's just it's it's horrifying it's very scary and and did you report this or you chose not to report no i i i actually i didn't because at the time i didn't know it was rape i i didn't call it rape because i kept thinking yeah but i said yes at the beginning i invited him home yes but it was date yes but um maybe he didn't hear me yes he did hear me um maybe i don't i just kept giving excuses because i didn't want i didn't want to think about it in a way that made me a victim. Nobody wants to think of themselves as, as a victim. So I just kept giving excuses. And actually, this is something that I, I said a, a few a few days ago, that in my case, it was very weird because I, was, I came out as asexual, which turned out to be wrong, like not my sexuality at all. But I came out as asexual because for me it was easier to think of myself as not capable of liking sex than the fact that I had been raped. Okay. It's very bizarre. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you uh, for sharing that experience. Mm. Well, thank you for listening. <laughs> Do you think um, there's uh, the reason why maybe perhaps the law is written so vaguely or... Um, uh, women victims are female victims are not, you know, getting more support from the system. Do you think part of it has to do with perhaps there aren't enough female representatives who are lawyers oh, and definitely. police judges who are handling these cases? Definitely, one thousand percent. Um, how many women are there in the government? Right. <laughs> how many? How many women are there in in parliament on yeah. diet or? You, how many women are there? How many police women have you seen? Yes. Yeah. Like all the police women I've seen, they have been in traffic. Right. Yes. So, and that's actually one thing that Siori uh, Ito, I think she mentioned that I read it somewhere, that she asked for a female police officer to talk to, and they couldn't give her one because all the police, all the female police officers, they were in traffic and they were not trained. My goodness. 
Yeah. And so it's a trap. Right. And um, speaking of training, um, mm. the in your Unseen um, Japan article, you mentioned, yeah. you know, what the police told one victim when she came to... Uh, to take a to, bath. Yeah, to take a bath. Uh, what kind of um, training do Japanese police actually get in helping rape victims? Do, do they actually think it's okay for a victim to, you know, bathe right after um, instead of taking the samples and such? I don't even know what kind of training they go through. The only thing I do know is that just going to the police, it is very uh, traumatic. Like there's a word in, in Japanese that I find like really um, fascinating and mm-hmm. and terrifying, which is uh, secondo rape, second oh, rape. Yes, yeah. please, yes, please with, define what second rape is there. So it's... Um, Victim shaming slash victim blaming slash triggering. So whenever you make a victim go back to her feelings of insecurity mm-hmm. or like attacking her, I don't believe you. Are you sure you you resisted enough? Are you sure you weren't um, being provocative? Weren't you being coy? I don't believe you. All that is called second rape. Because it is that traumatizing. Right. Yeah. And this happens in not only uh, Japanese culture and society. It's, it's It happens to a lot yes. of victims all over the world. Yes. Yes. I have no idea why it's so difficult Yeah. That to understand that. I mean, no other crime is as disbelieved as rape. Right. Yeah. If you say that I've been mugged or... Um, a thief stole something from me or I was in a car accident. Like you wouldn't go to a person who just had a car accident saying like, oh, were you looking at the road? Right. Right? Yeah, they, it's just not taken seriously. and, and... It's unbelievable. Yeah, one, one more point I wanted to go hmm. uh, mention too that I found very troubling. The uh, h- How many cases of sexual assault harassment has hmm. happened in schools yes oh my Um, god yes and these teachers uh they many times they're dismissed but from what i read they're able to uh, move to a different city or prefecture and still teach they don't lose their license yeah they don't lose their license or there's no it doesn't seem to be a good system or process of Of weeding these people out and and yeah yeah so the thing is it all ties back to the fact that how can you prove you were abused. Mm-hmm. How can a t- how can a student prove that she was being abused or harassed by her teacher? Right. Like it's a power. I don't it's know. a power issue as well. Uh, yes. You know, a, a student, a young person going to authoritative figures in the school system, they're mm-hmm. they're going to take the adult more seriously, and that adult could threaten the the student in many ways and you know put them in fear of not wanting to tell someone or perhaps they're exactly. afraid of getting you know scolded by the school or their parents their peers there's mm-hmm. a lot that goes into that and also like gaslighting like yes. if a, if a if a teacher manipulates a student into believing that they are in love with them mm-hmm. how can a student they don't have the 
capacity they don't have the tools to understand right. what is happening to right. them they will believe them because i'm sorry if a high school student a middle school student they usually don't have they don't understand how how manipulative they are i mean i don't even think an adult could do it let alone right. a child absolutely yes so what happens with the teachers is because they get their license and there is a, a shortage of teachers in japan mm -hmm. So they cannot really afford to lose teachers. Mm. And because the students cannot prove that they are being hurt or attacked or harassed by a teacher, they just they stay where they are. And what happens then is that the students stop going to school. Mm -hmm. So that is a whole problem in on itself, like students who cannot access schools. It's an entire, it, it, it feeds into so many other issues within Japanese society. Exactly. And that also kind of circles back to the Shonen Jumpu manga issue you were dealing with too, because mm. when you were talking about that, it reminded me of how both uh, young boys and girls manga and anime in Japan uh, mm. show how submissive a person has to be and they show that for some yeah. reason they enjoy that. And yeah. so when kids, when, when people in Japan become of age that they're, you know, starting to explore in more sexual ways, they, mm. they think that they're supposed to say like, yamete, like no, in order for exactly. a person to continue doing what they're doing. Oh my so God. Exactly. Confusing. Yes. So exactly. Yeah. There's already that sort of, societal standard that's set up by a lot of these writers uh manga writers or tv show creators mm. who who think that you know it's a selling point and think that people viewers like that and that's that's just them sh showing how they're painting the society up to to be yes i mean that is exactly it yeah mm -hmm. yeah so what's uh what's the objective for this uh for the flower protest the flower demo i think it was raising awareness mm -hmm. okay and i honestly i don't as far as i know i don't think there have been any like changes on a legal standpoint yes. i don't think the government did anything because of this although it there was um shiorigito's the case which she won yes that yeah, can you explain was a that real quick? uh well she won her case against her rapist she only got three million out of the 11 she was asking for which is ridiculous yes i, I agree but at least she won she created a precedent yes, yes. so it's one thing but one thing that she did say that really stuck with me is that even if it's a victory she's still hurt and mm -hmm. she will always be hurting because of this mm -hmm. and so will many other women and exactly victims, you know, in general victims yes and yeah and so that was a little milestone i guess in in some ways we mm -hmm. could see that as a you know big milestone in the society uh, mm. That happened in 2019, and with that, and some laws changing of defining rape in 2017. Uh, do you think yeah. it's 
do you think it may start progressing quicker in uh, the coming years, the, the laws in Japan, the support that victims will receive? Where, where do you think it's going? So strangely enough, I have a very strange feeling about um, what is going to happen in Japan because I don't think this is really like the like what society and what the government do here in Japan is very different. Mm-hmm. So what society, how society moves and how society evolves, I'm hoping it's going to be for the better. Right. But the government, I I think how the Japanese government will react will actually depend a lot on the elections in the states this year. Mm, yeah, I could see that happening as well. It's it, there's this force that's been kind of bringing the entire world backwards. Mm. Exactly. Uh, in in the last 4 years four or five yes. years with the U.S. elections and, mm. you know, uh, in the United, United Kingdom and all over the world. And Japan perhaps may follow in those footsteps in some ways as well. Yes, especially because Japan and the United States, they are so close when yes. it comes to politics, economics, etc. Mm-hmm. So, like, when it comes to fundamental and systematic changes, I think the government is very tied to what's going to happen this year. Mm-hmm. But on a society-based um, point of view, I think I can only hope. I I don't know. I yeah. I don't dare to make any predictions. I can only hope. Yeah, it definitely has to be, you know, a, a cultural change too in the way. Yes. The way people think, the way people think about like you said earlier about consent. Mm-hmm. What is consent? You know, it's not just but we can, you, yeah, you know, but, hanging out and going on a date with somebody. It doesn't mean she's saying yes and she wants to have sex with you. And, you know, just exactly, because but, you force yourself on her and she she freezes up, it doesn't mean she's mm, saying yes. Exactly. Yeah. But the thing is, you learn that also in school. Yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. if you cannot, you cannot learn this if you have a school that is corrupted yes. with teachers who are rapists. Yes. And you cannot, like, kick out the rapists unless you make it into a law. Mm-hmm. And there the government comes in. So everything is connected in a way that is extremely scary. So even if we make changes and, like, the flower demo changes things and it is changing, I think, society, I I think there is a limit as to what we can do until we get actual people with power in the government or lawyers or professors, you know, people who are in a position of power, if mm-hmm. they don't do anything, yes, I don't dare to hope. I don't, I'm, I'm too scared to say yeah. anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. And so mm-hmm. our, what are some of your um any upcoming you know events aside from flower demonstrations or mm. some ways to get the get the public involved in in this storytelling this oh um i think social media is a very good mm-hmm. way a very good tool because it allows you to be very honest mm-hmm. And you don't have to show your face. Right. Yes. That's, that's but, why Twitter is very popular in Japan. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And the thing is, 
it when it comes to that it's only your words mm-hmm. so if you can use your words in a way that reaches other people you can reach anyone yes that's true so if you want to tell your story you don't need your photo you just need words you just need your story mm-hmm. And good luck, actually, because depending on who retweets you, like it'll yeah. get you more or or less far away. But it's just you need like reaching out, definitely, and not giving up. Yes, it's, thank you mm-hmm. for talking with us today. I really no, appreciate it. thank you it. so much. Yes, thank you, thank you so much. Thank and you. <laughs> I, I'm. I, I've told my friends about the flower demonstrations, and I'm really um, hoping mm. I can make it to the next one and ongoing. Yeah, when is the next one? Oh, by the way? definitely on the 11th of February. Okay, and it's every month on the 11th. Okay. Every month correct? on the 11th, okay. except except on March. Okay, March is going to be the last day of the demonstration. Okay. And it's going to be on the 8th right. as the International Women's Day. Okay. Oh, really? Great. Okay, nice. Yes. Okay. And, uh, yeah, hopefully this will be the catalyst for something bigger. I am hoping. Yes. I can only hope. Yes. And, and, and that's uh, that's happening all over Japan, right? With a lot of different prefectures. Yes. And cities. Yes. So, yeah. And I will definitely be marching on women's day yes so and and can anyone join the march yes okay like i don't i know that there must be like some sort of preparation now let's Mm -hmm. start here at this time Mm -hmm. i have no idea when it is yet i still haven't looked it up okay but yeah definitely let's let's make the streets roar with anger yes <laughs> and so if uh people follow you on social media will you be posting more information as yes uh, you find out definitely well? okay great yes i will okay and uh yeah share your your yeah. social media handles before we get out of here okay uh well my i only have um twitter and i also have insta but i don't really use it it's at ishikawa underbar sachi okay and the handle is uh, the Japanese feminist. Okay. Great. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so thank much. You. And hopefully thank I'll you. see you at the next demo. Yes, definitely. I'll be waiting. All right. <laughs> Great. Thank you Take again. Care. Okay. Bye. 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 Wow. That's what a... really powerful. Yes. You know, there's a lot to be said about storytelling as a writer myself Mm. and as a person who supports empowering others yeah and these flower demos seem very very powerful if you do get a chance definitely check out the article that uh, sachi wrote as well yes and we'll i'll post uh in the the, uh, podcast description i'll put her social media handles and maybe some links to uh, articles and stuff about it so you can read more. All right, that's it. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Cliff. I'm Nina. Thanks, guys. Hey, this is Cliff of the Raw Urban Mobile Podcast. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. If you like the show, follow us on Instagram or Twitter 
and you can listen to us on all major podcast streaming platforms. If you would like to leave a comment or ask a question, shoot us an email at rumptokyo at gmail.com. R-U-M-P Tokyo at gmail.com. See you next episode.